podcast. I am fortunate enough to have the pleasure of having a very special guest, and I am so excited about it. It's like hard to contain. So I'm going to do my best. Um, obviously, that will also probably kick in the nerves a little bit more, but we're going to get past that because I have a drink, and that will help because it always does. So please, uh, can't really clap, but if you were to clap, you know, keep that in mind. I uh, had the pleasure to introduce to you my special guest, director Trish C. Trish has uh, has credits. She has done music videos for the band OK Go, which include A Million Ways, Here It Goes Again, White Knuckles, All Is Not Lost, Skyscrapers, and Upside Down and Inside Out. But not only that, she is also the director of Step Up All In and Pitch Perfect 3. Everybody, welcome to Trish C. Hi, Trish. Hi. Hi, Thanks everybody. Us. <laughs> this is like, kind of like as I kind of discussed earlier, this is definitely a, a huge uh, honor for me to do this uh, interview, and I'm so extremely thankful that you are willing to do this for us. Oh, 100%. It's lovely to talk to you. And thanks for watching my movies and caring. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, just to kind of give uh, people an idea as a background, you started out dancing, correct? And then uh... yeah. yeah, I was a dancer for many years. I started out with ballet when I was a kid. And um, I moved into, I was actually too tall to be a ballerina professionally in a, any viable way. So I sort of transitioned into um, modern dance and jazz and hip hop and kind of explored dance, landed on ballroom dancing um, and did that for a number of years and then got more and more interested in choreographing, started choreographing for my students and for my friends and for um, TV and then for my brother's band, OK Go. And our early videos were really just me kind of um, capturing the choreography that we had created more than anything else. Um, they were so lo-fi and simple and it was really just about celebrating the action that we were able to create. And then moved from there into directing. Um, and I directed commercials for a while. And then, as you know, I directed Step Up, the fifth installment of that franchise, Step Up All In, and then did Pitch Perfect's third movie. And right now I'm doing a comedy for Netflix. And, um, and uh, yeah, so dancing led to choreography, led to directing. It's funny how life works that way. You start with a place and then end up somewhere else. Yeah, the rabbit hole. <laughs> it is, isn't it? That is um, that is awesome. So usually when I have, uh, whenever Patrick and I, who again, for everybody, he's not here. He's at work. Um, Hi, I, Patrick. <laughs> missing you, Patrick. Our missing Patrick. He, uh, I already missed what I was saying. Oh. So we, what we normally do on our episodes, first thing we do is we try and catch up because this is kind of our time to catch up with each other, kind of check in with each other. Um, Patrick's been trying to better himself by walk, doing walking and kind of trying to get um, healthier. Great. So I always kind of use this time as a springboard to not only check in with him, see how he's doing, um, trying to help motivate him as much as possible. And then also we check in with the, with uh, he's got a teenage daughter, so we use that time to check in with him on that. And then after he gets done, we go to me and I basically just ramble on about um, my kids and then it's and then whatever anything else we have going on. So I usually like to try and extend the same thing whenever we whenever we talk to people and ask them what's new. So Trish, what is new? What's new? Well, I have two sons of my own. One is 16 and one is 11. Um, and um, what's new? Um, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm dealing with the fact that right now my kids don't love movies. Like, uh, they're not that interested. Like, they watch these YouTube um, stars yep. and they play a lot of video games. What is um, so they're 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 on devices a lot, uh, but they're not that into movies. It it's uh, interesting. They'll come see my movies. They like to watch my movies just because I made them and they're interested in the process. I think, um, 
but yeah, it's it's interesting to be in a business that your kids are kind of like, well, that's quaint, you know. Yeah, you make yeah. you make movies. Um, what 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 video games do they play, and do you, what kind yeah. of YouTube videos are they watching? Um, they're pretty dorky. So they the 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 YouTube guys that they watch are like YouTubers, I guess that like play a video game online like and narrate what they're doing which seems to me absolutely insane that you would watch that but that's what they're <laughs> doing. and then they have a couple of these like science guys that they watch um and they like somebody they like the um the battle they do these like battles these rap battles of oh, like historical figures and stuff that they're really into um i think i've seen a couple of those yeah and they and they're clever. I have yep. to say, like I think that they have decent taste outside of the video game stuff, which I really truly don't get. Um, they seem to have decent taste, but uh, in it, like these people seem smart um, and interesting. There's one guy who, like talks about artificial intelligence and like you oh. know where all that's headed. So they're interesting, but it's not um, it's not story driven, which is like pretty much all I'm interested in. Yes. So it's it's fascinating to me that that's just like the world they're growing up in, you know? Yeah, um, don't, you're not alone. So my son will be nine on uh, December 3rd. But he's pretty much, he's nine going, I always like to say he's nine going on 13. Yeah. Already got the angst. I don't know where he gets it, but he's already got, and it's, and it's well-intentioned angst, I guess, because he doesn't realize what he's doing, but you're like, you're too young for this. But he too, he watches, he plays the Fortnite and Minecraft and Roblox. And he will multitask. He will take the iPad mini, go into the playroom. He will play, he'll play what, whatever game, he, you know, he feels like doing. And then on the iPad mini, we'll have the YouTubers on there. Some of which are very, very annoying. <laughs> some of which, you know, are you actually... Do learn how to do you like in Minecraft? He learns how to do different tricks and do different things. So it's at least he's learning something. Yeah. But I find it hilarious because then he'll come out and talk about how my daughter's videos are so annoying and 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 she watches like Ryan's Twitter view. So she watches other kids play, which that part I have the problem with. I'm like, why are you watching other kids make millions of dollars playing when you could be <laughs> I mean, I guess they're learning some kind of like strategy or something. I don't. I'm trying not to judge. Yeah, yeah. It seems bonkers to me, but yeah. you know, this well, is. So to kind of tell a quick story, my daughter last night even was watching a video, and the kid in the video was having a popsicle, and then she decided she wanted a popsicle would not would not stop. We're in Tennessee in November. It is currently 50-something degrees. It was a little bit colder yesterday. And, like, today it's raining. And it's just, it's miserable. There, we don't have popsicles in the house. There's not going to be a place for us to go to other than the store. We're not going to go just to get one popsicle. Oh. She would not get off of that. Like, it's just whining. I was like, oh, my God, Grayson, please find something else. I bought some hot chocolate. You love hot chocolate. That's how much influence these people have, though. And, and then you can see with something like that, you can see where these sort of influencer status and stuff comes from because it's meaningful to kids what they're wearing, what they're doing, what they're endorsing, what they're eating. It's a big deal. Um, it, I don't know how to feel about that. It's a lot. It, it is It is a little bit much. And I just, like, I try and, I found, you know, as long as, for my son, I you know let him he he knows what he's allowed to watch and what he's not. And I'll go in there and I'll watch him play. And if he has the videos on, I'll be like, "What are you watching?" Well, it's this video was on after this one. I just started. I don't know really know this one. That's like, okay. scary. Yeah. And then I go, I go, "Are you even paying attention?" He goes, eh, "Not really." I said, "Okay, I don't think this one's really appropriate. Why don't you go ahead and hit skip?" Okay. So he like it's not he's not fighting, but that's. That is kind of something I kind of try and monitor. We've had a lot of talks in our house about the sort of uh, autoplay of what comes up next or what starts showing up in your um, suggested videos based on what you've watched and and how um, you have to be very careful about the content. I'm not particularly worried about, you know, nudity. I, 
like what right or cursing even yeah. but some of the propaganda type stuff some of the weird yeah. political stuff some of the just hate speech or just it's right. it's you know right like there's just a lot going on and um how 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 quickly you can spiral into some of that really yeah. scares me yeah. uh you know and i'm not a prude i don't mind my kids you yeah. know Lauren, seeing some sexual shit. I don't mind them using. Sorry, I don't know if we're allowed okay. to say. Shit. No, no, uh, no. Hey. It's called like sexualizer for a couple of reasons. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is one of them. But, you know, I don't mind them using bad language up to a certain point, but but you know, or hearing bad language. Yeah. But yeah, some of that stuff is just real uh, dicey territory, and they don't really necessarily know yet how to parse it. Right. Um, and unpack it, and it's it's alarming. It it's, is. You know, movies, you kind of know they've been put through a meat grinder, you kind of, you know, TV shows. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like a Wild West out there on YouTube right now. Yeah, and it's not like, because one benefit, at least with movies and even TV, is now you can go on IMDb and they have the parental guidance thing. And it, I mean, it's perfect, you know, you know, language, mild, moderate, severe. I mean, it's perfect. Or, you know, nudity or violence and all that. And I actually was 13, you know why. If it's rated R, you know why. And you can make that decision, you know. And um, thankfully, thankfully, I'd see enough movies that I could kind of have an idea of what kind of movies what. The only time I think I've actually had to use that parental guide on there, um, I was telling the story with someone else, is that I took my son I took my son to go see the Once Upon a Deadpool when they did the released as PG thirteen. And I'm like, I want to take him because I think he'll like it. But it's a dark yeah. one. I, I, want to, I need to know what. Because <laughs> Deadpool can go either way. It's, it's edgy. Yeah. So, yeah. and I took him. He loved it. I was, the only time I really got worried is when one of the characters mentioned about dying as a, dying a virgin. And I'm like, oh, he's going to ask me what a virgin is. And I'm not ready for that conversation at nine or eight at that time. Um, thankfully, Never came up. Like he was asking me questions about the character and his powers more. I said, save all your questions till the end of the movie. Great. And I never got any. He just said he had fun. Great. But so, you feel like you dodge a bullet in those moments. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, yeah, I forgot about that part. And usually I have a decent, but yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, um, so yeah, <laughs> I was just like, well, this is a, uh, yeah. So I don't, so yeah, so I don't mind that as much. Um, and I'm kind of like you. I, the violence, as long as it's not like gory violence, I'm okay with. Like my son was fine with all the Jurassic Park movies. I'm like, well, if you can handle those kind of PG-13 movies, you'll be fine. Yeah. His, yeah. his mom did. So they, when Fortnite released, they had a skin or a character. They released a John Wick one. So he's like, oh, you can have a John Wick one. And they, you know, of course, the YouTube video show characters using that. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I guess you know he's playing it as mom, so his mom hadn't seen any other ones i don't think and i've seen both of them she's and i've seen all three of them at the, actually at this point she goes thinking about taking york to john wick three i go no 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 a hundred times now that's and trust me i will let him see a lot of things no he's not ready for he's only nine he's got a few more years yeah so that's yeah. that's that's a bit much i said it, for adults it's great i mean talk about i my best way i reviewed that movie was that it was like a symphony. Like every move was choreographed so beautifully, it moved like a little symphony. Like just yeah, yeah flowed. Yeah, beautifully I, made. Oh well, yeah, nice. kids kids aren't necessarily seeing that. They're seeing they're seeing it on the video games. They're like, oh, it's in some of, and some of his mom was like, well, like yeah, you might want to hold off on that one. I said, why don't you? And I forgot what movie I ended up suggesting. So why don't you show them this instead? You know, it's still actiony, but it's not. It's more appropriate. You know. Right. So, well uh, done. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, okay. But, and that's kind of the point of two of this podcast is that um, I originally had started one on my own and I was having fun doing it. I actually, since we started this one, I haven't really had time to do the other one. So, I've kind of morphing both of them because one of the main goals of my other one was to talk to filmmakers, try and talk to filmmakers or, or, uh, or people that go see a lot of movies and then just kind of ask questions about the movies they enjoy and then about how it kind of relates to their personal life yeah and how, how it affected them growing up and everything so 
I basically took that and I'm using this one to kind of merge the two in a way. Nice. And but yeah, so I was like, well, I kind of want to do one. I said, Patrick, you you've got a daughter, I've got two kids. Why don't we do a podcast together about movies we see with each other and then movies we take our kids to go see? So that can may help with other people that with other parents that are thinking about going, but they they're not sure yet or not. So right, 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 right. The the unfortunate part is well, I mean, I guess not really unfortunate. It's good because his daughter's a little bit older, so they go to different movies. And my kids are younger, so they go to, you know, a little more younger. So it kind of covers the gamut. The only problem is he's been able to take his daughter to more movies than I've been able to take my kids lately. But that's coming up, though, because they'll have all the Yeah. Um, So let's see here. So obviously, so one of the reasons I wanted to to speak to you, other than my love for for the movies, also is because my daughter is in dance and you – you know, start as a dancer. So as someone who has previously, you know, that's danced and got moved on to choreography, do you have, what, what do you think would probably be like the best advice you could give to someone that's in dance that's kind of wanting to stick with it? Well, I think the important thing to know about dance is how universal it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get trained as dancers, whatever style, you know, you get trained in or multiple styles. But the important thing I think to remember as you go through sort of the various stages of a career is remembering that the skills you're learning as a dancer are so applicable beyond that. You know, your lifespan as a professional dancer is quite short. Right. Maybe it's a little longer than a gymnast or a professional athlete. But not much longer. You know, your body is in its peak from, what, 15 to 25? And yeah. beyond that, like, you're, you know, you can milk it for a little longer if you're doing great. But, you know, that's a – who – what other industry are you kind of done by 30? Right. Um, so I think it's really important to know that all along through your dance career, you need to be watching for ways that you can apply that to other things. Um right. As a dancer, you have to have a sense of music. That's so much a part of dance. You have to have a sense of space and shapes and timing and balance and strength and communication and and discipline. And like so many things go into making a good dancer that if you're able to see the ways that you might be able to take those skills and apply them, whether it's architecture, uh, puppetry, you know, medical, medicine, massage therapy, uh, you know, filmmaking in my case, but just knowing that the things you learn as a dancer are things that will serve you really well, but you, in other ways, but you need to sort of be looking for those opportunities as you go through your career, because you will be over the hill very young (laughs) as a dancer and still so young in your life um, and still so ready to do other things that I think it's really important Um, some of the best editors I know, film editors are dancers because they have this sense of rhythm and shape and, and how to create the arcs in the sort of momentum of a movie. Um, so, you know, it's, I was just talking to a woman the other day who's a, um, non-dance choreographer and she comes into movies and, um, theater shows and she just like choreographs a scene and blocks the movement of a scene and shows people how their body language is creating a story even when they're not speaking. And it has nothing to do with dance. It's all just sort of the motion of a scene. So like, there's a lot of ways you can use your dancing outside of dancing. And like, look, enjoy the dancing. Live it up. Do it. Get as good as you can. But remember how much it um, can trickle into other parts of life. And just always keep that on the back burner because before you know it, you're 27. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're auditioning for roles against people who are 17. And um, for people like me, 27 sounds so young. But as a dancer, you're, you don't feel young at 27. Yeah. So I think that's what's important to remember is um, always just be improving yourself and looking for ways to take your skills in other directions. I was kind of, that kind of hit home because I was 27. And I kind of started late because I actually went, I was 27 when I went to the police academy. So that, and that's been, I mean, it feels like forever ago. A bunch of 18-year-olds with you at 
please. Yeah. Oh gosh, and I'm not fast because I'm not a good runner because I don't like to run. So I was not fast. I was out of shape, but yet I kind of made it work. And and there were a lot of a lot of uh, other people that were younger than me that you know obviously were quicker, but I somehow was still wiry, thankfully. <laughs> but and served me well. Yay. Yeah. Um, but I'd always had love for movies. In fact, I was the class historian in my police academy, so I took all the pictures. I did all I did the video because I. Uh, had a camcorder, so I shot all the video. I, I still have my old. I still have my old. Uh, basically, uh, hook it up to a VHS, but I had like a little mini editing thing that's maybe the that big. I mean, it's not bigger than a lunchbox. Love and, it. Uh, and I'd put music behind it, and then uh, yeah, and then I gave each person a copy of it at the end. The only problem is the trend. I guess when it when it. Uh, transitioned over to the to the other vhs the quality wasn't super great which i hadn't had a problem in the past and i felt terrible but i didn't like i didn't know how to fix it because i hadn't and it had been years and so I felt, but you know the at least the effort was there oh um, yeah what a gift to your whole yeah, class right and then and then i made uh, all the music i put on the on the vhs tape i put on cd so they would have a soundtrack too so you know that's a huge gift to your class yeah. Yeah, so, and then pictures. I see. Then another CD-ROM that had all the pictures on it. From, Love it. So Love yeah, it's uh so some things just kind of mesh together. So yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, let's see here. Are you able to talk about anything from your new movie? I know we kind of. Yeah. Okay. I think so. It's so it's a Netflix movie. You'll be happy to hear that your daughter can watch it. Kids of all ages can watch it. We've made sure that it is a PG. Like a, 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 a medium PG. Okay. Not super soft, but not edgy okay. PG. Okay. Um, uh, and it's a really great movie. I, I, you know, it's the movie that I really wanted to make right now for this okay. time in the world and this time in my own life. I, it really resonates with me. The, the, um, the, 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 there's a 15-year-old girl and an 11-year-old boy. They're brother and sister. Okay. And they kind of go on an adventure because their, their mom, their parents, both parents get kidnapped and they kind of learn of the course of this one night that their mom had this whole different life before she was their mom. And I just kind of love the story of it. I mean, my the writer of the movie, her name is Sarah Rothschild, mm -hmm. she came up with this idea when she found a photo of her mom. I think she might have even been like cleaning out her mom's apartment to move her to a, you know, like... Um, assisted living place or something like kind of like a momentous move and she found this picture of her mom like in punked out clothes with a cigarette her hair all that and she was like oh my god my mom had like a whole different life she was somebody so different it was her mom at like age 21 and I just love you know this whole idea that like kids do not get that we once had right whole existence that had nothing to do with them yeah. like didn't even anticipate them didn't even give two craps about them so i kind of love it's very satisfying as a mom that this mother like her daughter who you know there's a relate the, the mother-daughter relationship is fraught often especially with teenage daughters and so this girl and her mom have what i think feels like a very realistic mother-daughter relationship and the daughter really comes to realize like her mom is a whole person and she's only seen the tip of that iceberg and it's kind of cool. And, and the kids themselves are like super empowered through this movie to figure shit out, sorry, figure stuff out and get stuff done and save the parents. Um, so it kind of has a little something for everybody. And I, I feel like um, it doesn't talk down to children but it also loops in the grown-ups. Right. And it just feels like a true family movie in the way that like Goonies or Spy Kids or yeah. um, you know, some of those like Parent Trap, some of those movies right. that we used to see. Yeah. And I don't I don't know that there's a lot of movies like that anymore because like mm -hmm. you said, everybody's watching stuff on their own devices. Right. Kids are watching what they watch, grown-ups are watching what they everybody's got their own personal sort of curated thing. But I I do think there's still a place in the market for like, let's all get in the you know, bed and watch together. Let's all go down and like put a, project it on a summer night on the garage door, whatever you're gonna do. This feels like a movie that uh, really will appeal to kids, parents, 
we've we've been screening it for friends and family and sort of taking yeah. notes on their responses and like grandparents love it, little kids love it, medium kids love it. It seems like it kind of is giving something to everybody. So I'm really proud of it. That's and, awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. I can't wait. I can't wait. Do we uh I know you're working on test screens and everything. Do they have a projected date that they want to drop it on the Netflix. Netflix is interesting because now um, their stuff comes out in so many countries, territories, mm. in so many languages, in so many formats. Their marketing, uh, you know, the way that they release these things is so complex <laughs> and opaque, honestly, to me. I don't really completely understand it. That even when we finish the movie, probably in the spring, um, I don't know how long it will take to get it sort of translated and made good for all these different countries but i i'm imagining summer okay um, that'd be a good time too yeah that's that's like to be watching <laughs> it's fun it's a really it's a really sweet fun movie and i think it's just like a ride you just get on and go for a ride okay uh what's what's the name of it it's called the sleepover awesome that is awesome i can't wait well i'm definitely going to be excited and uh, i can't wait for you and grayson to watch it and your son as well and your yeah. wife your ex-wife, all everybody, get them in the bed. Let's watch. So, thankfully, we still have a really good relationship. So, you know, we're so we. Actually, I love that. Yeah, when you're co-parenting, you kind of have to. Yep, she's actually going to watch uh, our dog for us while we're out of town this week. So. That is very civilized. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep she helps out. We help out. So it's, it's a good, good mix. So, for uh, yeah. Um. So, yeah, and I would, you know, if you would like, love to have you back on when it gets closer to release time. Sure, I would love to. I would love to, especially because it really is a movie geared toward kids and families, so it's perfect for your audience. Awesome. Yeah. So, to kind of go towards, uh, kind of already asked, uh, you actually answered, just talked when I asked you about dance, you answered a lot of questions there. Um, so, then we kind of move on, and then, so... I, even though you make a lot of movies or are making movies and everything, do you know the last movie you've seen? Or do you remember, I guess, is the best The way. last movie I saw was actually Dolomite Is My Name, uh, the Adam, Eddie Murphy movie. Yes. What did you um, think of that? You know what? I loved it. I, it. It's not a kid's movie, obviously. Oh, we we uh, I actually talked about it because it's one of the ones I watched. It's. So. Did you like it? Yes, I, I loved it. I thought no, it was great. No, having, yeah, seen eddie murphy that great that full of vigor and that like character driven version of eddie murphy i don't even remember when the last time uh, before he did a disney movie yeah because like Doolittle, all of that those were fine but like this really was like eddie murphy back in his game um i thought it was absolutely beautiful i mean i'm a sucker for the early 70s mm -hmm. just vibe wise like i know there was a lot of bad political and racial shit going on at that time. Like, I know it was not a perfect moment for America, but hot damn, the design and the clothing and the textures and the colors and the language and the music. Some of the movies came out during uh, the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found it really visually and musically appealing. Um, I thought the performances were fabulous. I thought the script had some problems just in the sense that they had such a big story to tell and I didn't buy some of the jumps and I felt like there were some there must have been some deleted scenes for time I mean it was the yeah. movie came out at two hours and I felt like it must have been a three-hour movie that they cut down because it kind of felt like that and I would have rather just seen the three-hour version I know right I felt like stuff was missing um but I loved it and I was just so happy to see Eddie Murphy being great and um and Snoop Dogg was good. Like, all the performances were great. Uh, it was good to see uh, even Wesley Snipes back acting again. Yeah, like, so many people came out from under their rocks and yeah. just did a great job. The editing was great. Like, I just thought it was really, um, it was fun. It was really fun, and it, but it had a heart. Yeah. And um, the language, the dialogue was just like, I was like, I couldn't believe two white dudes wrote it because yeah, I know, right? <laughs> just like so, it felt so jivey in like yeah. a way. And I mean, like, as a white girl, I have no idea how authentic that is, but it felt yeah. just like I just was in love with everybody. 
um, yeah, I loved it. It was fun. I, so I told the story when when uh, Patrick and I were talking about it. Well, he hasn't he hadn't seen it yet. I don't think he. I still don't think he's seen it yet. Um, but Patrick, you need to see it. <laughs> I agree. And I told, and he's like, "All right, I'll check it." It's like, "No, dude, it's it's great." Um, uh, so I was working. Uh, I was at my coffee Mondays. I uh, usually use is when I usually try and get uh, the podcast for the previous episode that records Sunday night. I try and get it uploaded. And I try and work on the website, and get everything done. So I go to my favorite coffee shop here in Nashville, and um, called Ugly Mugs. Very right in town, best place. Nice. Um, and uh, and it's where all the Denise Nashville, where all the hipster songwriters and folk singers usually live. Um, but it's a good place, anyways. So I was working on that, but I had the I was but I had my had my headphones in, but I had the movie playing on my phone. So I finished watching it, and it was during the part where they were filming the sex scene. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, I had to take my hand and go, whoops, <laughs> like just. Wait till that scene's over. I'm like, nobody's watching anyways, still. But I was like, oh, that figures. Yeah, I was like, oh, that figures. And I was like, well, I guess I should have guessed. It's not a movie you watch in public. No, apparently not. Or like on an airplane. I watch a lot of movies yeah. on airplanes. And like, uh, watch this one at home. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I mean, it's still great. And I said, you know, this is the Eddie Murphy that I missed, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's in, I think, and I don't know if you've seen this yet, but there, Netflix is actually greenlit uh, production on uh, Beverly Hills Cop 4. No, I did not know that. That's yeah. this, I it's, mean, I, I might have rolled my this. eyes at that if I hadn't seen this and yeah. been like, oh, he's ready. Like, he is, I'll watch anything he does next. If they, if they don't butcher the script and stay true to the character. Yeah. Or at least let him have some sort of creative input. Creative, yes, input. Yeah, let him just, yeah. I was looking yeah. for the words. I'm like, uh. but yeah. Well, have, it's interesting, like to see that he was a producer on this movie. You can see it makes a difference. You yeah, know, totally. Um, you have some say. You have some power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But definitely. So, um, but yeah, I, I love that one too. And I, you know, I can't. I was having. To, it was a week in which I wasn't going to be able to make it to a theater. I'm like, well, I go watch something on Netflix because I go watch yeah. it. That's the beauty of Netflix is that, you know. Oh, I love it. You can and then finish it up the next day. I love it. It's perfect. Um, so uh, next I kind of want to talk about the Step Up uh, movie that you that you made. Okay. Um, so for those that haven't watched it, shame on you. Um, you should have watched all of them. They're amazing. They're fun. The music's great, especially if you have kids that are in dance. They'll love the dance scenes. Yeah. Uh, and I actually have to give credit. My ex-wife's the one that got me started, got me into these movies. Oh, okay. Hooray for her. Uh, yeah, she she wanted to watch Step Up Three. We didn't get to see it in theater, and then after, so we rented it. And uh, after watching, I'm like, man, I really wish I could have seen that in 3D now, because I bet that would have been amazing. Yeah. And then. Uh, so she got me started, so I went back and watched all the others. And, Love it. Uh, so then when the newer ones came out, I watched them as well. So I'm like, all right, I'm on board. I love it. Favorite guilt, I call them guilty pleasures because um, they're, they're easy. They're, yeah. No, they're silly. They're, they're cheesy. They're frothy. They're eye candy. But they're fun. But they're fun, and they're entertaining, and they're not, they're not trying to be anything more than what they are. They a, know exactly what they are. They're a dance movie. Right. So... Uh, so some of these questions may be just your run-the-mill ones you probably get asked. Some hopefully won't be better, okay. but we'll see. Um, so going from directing music videos in a couple of short films, I, I saw as well, moving to a feature length, what was it like? First of all, what was it like to move into direct, going straight into directing not only just a dance movie, but a sequel to a dance movie. Well, I mean, you asked the question well, is like it, there, there are pros and cons to going into a sequel. Some of the pros are, you know, you've got people, especially if this is your first movie, which of course it was for me, my first feature, you've got people who know the world, know the characters, know the demographic that your movie is geared towards. 
know the formula, know what works, uh, know the process. A dance movie has a very different like preparation process than any other movie. You have a huge amount of rehearsal time. Uh, your your music supervisor has a whole different role uh, than you know in a non dance movie. Your your music editor like it's just a different process and and people's roles are very different. And so to be working with people who understand that know what it takes, know where the resources need to go, know understand how much rehearsal time and preparations required, um, and can kind of like guide you through that process. It's invaluable. And I had really really good producers who just, you know, knew that world. They, they, they brought all those movies up from the ground and they know exactly what they're doing. So that's hugely helpful. And then the flip side of that coin is, you know, you're in somebody else's world. These characters exist. The tone of the movies exists. The demographic and the fan base exists. You are a slave to that world. Right. Um, and you're there to deliver something for those people in this way and, you know, don't stay in your lane, right? Yeah. So for better and for worse, you have a lot of support. You have a lot of guardrails, but you have a lot of support. You have a lot of guardrails. And sometimes yeah. you're just like, get, you're like, I don't want guardrails. I want to yeah, do it my definitely. way. <laughs> this is not the time for that. Um, so it was a great, it was a great learning experience and a great way to sort of gradually dip my toes into the world of a movie because compared to a music video or a commercial, it's, it's not a sprint, it's a distance run. You know, you need to pace yourself over a year, year and a half to make this movie and stay engaged in this movie and watch every single, you know, gear that's turning to make sure it's going the way you need it to go. And it it's, takes a lot of stamina. So it was a very good way to, for me to learn the ropes. Um, and for me to learn, you know, any movie in this day and age doesn't get shot in sequence. You're shooting this scene, then that scene, then this scene, then that scene, then that scene, going back to this scene, take, doing that half of that scene in this location and that half over there. And then like, blah, blah. and so learning to think in a much bigger arc, right. um, not 30 seconds, not three minutes, but an hour and a half, you know, what was Andy thinking in that scene? Because we shot that three weeks ago and now we're back to the scene right before it. We need to like, so, you know. Yeah. Cause it's not, cause a lot of people I think think. You well, shoot in order. Yeah. Yeah. Linear form. And now it's, it's whatever sets available. And yeah, you're shooting you're, all out of order. And um, sometimes, like I said, you're shooting one person's half of the scene in one place on one day and the other person's half of the same scene somewhere totally different weeks later or earlier. So starting to learn to sort of like always have the entire sort of cellular structure of the movie inside of you at all times so that someone can drop you into any part of any scene and you know exactly what comes before and what comes after it. That was really good training for me. Um, because now with this most recent movie that I'm doing for Netflix, it, it, it's, a, it's a complicated movie. It has a lot of action, it has a lot of characters, it's an ensemble cast, it goes all kinds of places. We shot all out of order. Uh, and 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 learning to think that way in a very non-linear but also linear way at the same time was was probably the biggest challenge coming from music videos. Like, sure, I know how to set up a camera, I know how to shoot dance, I know how to light something, or ask my DP and gaffer to light something. You know, I know when I've got the performance that I want. I, you know, I know what kind of costumes are going to work, or how to hire someone to do good costumes. Like, I know all of that. I've done it. But thinking on that kind of like grand scale and trying to keep the whole story in your mind as you bop around, um, you know, it, it, the best like metaphor I can give is if you've got a house, you've got a huge house, you've come from a tiny apartment and now you've got like a 15 bedroom house and someone pulls you to this room and says, what couch do you want here? And then pulls you to this room and says, what kind of wallpaper do you want in this bathroom? And then pulls you here and says, what kind of silverware do you want in the kitchen? And then pulls you like, that's what it feels like to make a, a movie after you've done commercials, right. music videos. Yeah. You're used to having one room and you can do everything in that room at the same time. Now you're bopping all around and trying to keep the whole picture in your mind at the same time. So, yeah. So fun times. <laughs> in other words. It's really I mean, exciting and it's fun, yeah, but, it's exciting, it's but it's brain, it's your brain hurts by the end of it. Oh, yeah, easily. 
shoot, it might would hurt just by the end of the day, much less. <laughs> we all do. We all go home yeah. with saggy brains for sure. Oh, okay. oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> did you find? So I know we kind of went all over the place with that one. But did you find similarities <laughs> in in the sense that uh, moving from dance from basically filming choreographed dance scenes to to when you were filming choreographed dance scenes of the music videos. Yeah. Did you find similarities in style or were you or or was it because like you were saying previously because of the guardrails you had made it a little more difficult? No, I think that I saw a lot of similarities. Like I know where I want the camera to, to capture movement. I know which details I want to focus on. Um and I think I know like what pace is right and what pace is going to feel satisfying. And having done a lot of music videos, I mean, the dance scenes in Pitch Perf, uh, the dance scenes in Step Up are basically dance videos, you know, dance yeah. videos. So that definitely was a very helpful um, experience to have had shooting music videos. Uh, the movie, do you have a favorite dance, a favorite I or routine that was your favorite? Yeah, I think the boxing ring is my favorite. Yeah. Um, I just like the arc of that one, and I like the conceit of doing it in a boxing ring. We tried to kind of um, shoot it like an old-timey, you know, mm -hmm. box boxing thing. And the Vegas, it's just kind of like we had the crowd go away to blackness. Like I just like that it felt a little bit, uh, stylized and rarefied and I also thought the dancing was great in that one we had a sprung floor on that boxing ring it was on uh, springs essentially like literal springs and so they were able to do kind of moves that you wouldn't be able to do on a on a hard floor and so yeah I think that one's my favorite okay yeah I like that one a lot too and um, of course the one where they come down the chandeliers though that's kind of at the yeah, end the I know you kind of like all the other step up movies, the the last dance has to be the biggest spectacle because sure, that's sure. that's how you have your finale and everything. You but, hope, yeah, yeah, you hope. But oddly enough, my favorite dance in the in the third one in Step Up Three is actually the uh, water one, the uh, Me too. Me the magic one. That, in fact, I think that's probably the best step up dance in any of them. I think that that's a fabulous dance sequence. That because I showed that one. That's the one I watched. I showed to Grayson, and yeah. so she always said she wants to watch the water one. And I'm like, yeah. "What are you even talking about the water?" And then it finally hit me one day. I go or it hit me about a couple minutes later. I'm like, "She's talking about, she's talking about step up three. It's like, all right, I'll put it on. Fabulous. Yeah. But yeah. It it uh, but yeah, that one's my favorite. But I also, I mean, the light up one at the end was fine. But I I don't know. I almost like the end one on in this one in all in better than. 3D. Um, it's just it seemed more epic to me, I guess, in 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 size and scale and just the way just between everything between the dancing to the way it was shot to the production design, the costumes. I just I, I don't know. I just I mean the light up thing would've been great for like the 3D parts, but yeah. as far as just if you look at each finale as a whole, I like that one. I think that one's the biggest especially if we're talking spectacle, you know, to try and show, um, you know, this big finale. I think that one's yeah. probably shot the best. Oh, thanks. I hope so. I mean, we wanted it to be huge. And, and I wanted also, I felt like at some point, you can't out-gimmick Step Up 3. Um, you know, you know, even Step Up 4 with, like, when they're um, in those wires or those, like, spongy oh, yeah. cords on the outside of the... Like, so there's nothing you can do. So it's like, okay, let's strip away all the gimmicks and just have really good dancing. And I mean, sure, there's the gimmicks of coming down on the chandeliers and the sand or whatnot. But for the most part, it was like, let's just spend our time getting really killer choreography because that's what people come for. And we're not going to out-gimmick the past step-ups. We can't, you know. Well, it, and that's good, too, the kind of, even though you have all the, you know, not all even though you have characters from essentially all four yeah. previous movies in this in this one film, it still feels like even watching it, you can tell even though the characters are coming together, it's its own thing in that 
you're not trying to outdo the other. It's just you're trying to do your own thing. You're trying I to so. hope and, so. Well, and one of my favorite characters is actually one that's actually not in any of the other ones. It's uh, it's the host for Vortex <laughs> is Alex Alex Bravo. She, yeah, yeah. I forgot her name that played Alexa, the Alexa Bravo. Alexa Bravo, yes. Hilarious. I mean, yes, she's funny. Over the top, but in such a good way. <laughs> and I just laugh. I mean, because it's just it's it's just great. I mean, it's just gold. She's, she's she's so funny and she's such a funny person in real life you need to follow her on instagram because she does these crazy she has this alter ego on instagram this like polish alter ego because she's polish okay but she'll like go into her polish woman mode and like single polish woman like it's so fun she's such a weirdo and so great in real life her name is isabella miko and she is brilliant i mean she's one of the weirdest craziest most ingenious people she's yeah yeah Yeah, she's great my my wife will like that she's half polish so yeah check out isabella miko and her insane instagram because she's yeah she's something that's awesome and you know another thing so i'm sure this is probably somebody somewhere down the lines asked but i'm going to ask it anyways did you ever get the twins confused No, you know, they look different. They look, they okay. look different. They act different. They sound different. I, I actually did not get them confused. Okay. Because I still did. And I've seen the movies. They're more similar on screen than they are in real life. In real life, I don't think. They have very different uh, sort of energies. You, you, they're not, they're, and they dress different in real life. Well, they kind of dress the same, but like you, yeah, they're very different. You wouldn't, you, in real life, you wouldn't get them confused. Okay. Because, in, because I actually, <laughs> so, in a very long time ago, um, my very first job, of course, like most people's, was probably McDonald's. And we had a set of twins that we worked with. I cannot remember their names, but I could picture them queer as, as clear as day. The only way I could tell them apart is their shoes. I would look down to see who, I would look down to see uh, the shoes they were wearing. If they ever switched shoes, I was hosed. <laughs> they both wore the same uniform. Yeah, of course. And so, you know, it's the same as I did. So, the only way I could tell them apart was their shoes. And, that, and, I, and I told some of my friends that I worked with, I go, listen, this is the only way. I said, I don't know how you guys do it, but I'm going to let you in on a secret if you need it. I said, their shoes. I said, I said, because they don't wear their name tag half the time. That's, yeah, no. I don't even know if we did because we worked in the back. So, <laughs> the only way I could tell them apart. Shoot, is that's shoes. smart. That's smart. That's real <laughs> smart. Love it. Um, do you know about how, how long do you, how long did the dancers have to practice their choreography? I'm assuming pre-production, obviously. Um, for Step Up? Yeah, yeah, we did about, um, I'm trying to remember, I think we did about 10 weeks, 8 to 10 weeks of, of rehearsals. Oh, wow, okay. I was kind of curious, because I'm like, this got to take, I mean, I know dancers practice several different routines at a time, because yeah, practicing two right now, and I know, and one of her and one of her good friends had like fourteen dances last season. I'm like, yeah, I I couldn't. I yeah, mean, they're uh, doing them all at the same time for yeah. sure. So, yeah. So I, I was, but for me, I'm like, I, don't, I couldn't even do it. It is. Um, was there a specific dance that you found the most challenging to shoot, though? Um, blah, 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 blah. either location or lighting or just the difficult probably that finale because that room actually was not very big um yeah. and we wanted it to be epic and huge but it was not a huge room and so we could never actually turn the camera around okay. um and um and we could actually never really get onto the sides. So for the most part, we had to sort of do a very proscenium front facing, which, I mean, I was okay with that because I think dancing looks the best from that front angle. Uh, so I was okay with it. And I loved the layers that that room had. And so I was willing to, to deal with it, but we could never really get a good side angle and we could never go around behind. Um, one thing I liked about it was the crowd was up in those kind of Coliseum yeah. style things. So you kind of got the sense of the crowd while you had the dancing, which was, which was great. But at the same time, as anybody who's shot a crowd scene knows, 
You love to not see the crowd. You love to have the crowd for half a day, shoot out the crowd, shoot the action with the crowd in the background, and then let all those people go and just shoot without them. And in this case, you had to have whatever crowd was there, you had to have them there the whole time. So for a number of reasons, that was a really challenging space, both practically and, um, and creatively. But I liked it. And when you find a place you like, and it looked different. Like you said, it looked different from the other movies. Uh, and it looked different from any dance location I had ever seen. So you got to make it work. Right. And one thing I like to, because to me, it actually reminded me more of like Shakespearean, like the Globe Theater. And that's what it reminded me of more than anything. Yes, we were actually, this is interesting that you say that, because we were actually, where we put our cameras and our lights was the stage. And we were shooting into the audience. So the, the, the thing that we made as a stage was mm -hmm. actually audience. We took out all the chairs. Um, but it's a theater in the round. And what they do is it can be either 100% like 360 round or you can take out half of it to make a stage. So uh -huh. it is actually a theater in the round and we just use the stage portion and shot into the audience. Oh, that's actually pretty neat. That's yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, that actually... So um, next... Um, I want to go in just real quick, um, go into Pitch Perfect 3. Okay. After that, I'll, I've got just my other just quick questions to answer. Cool. Um, so how is directing Pitch Perfect 3 similar to directing Step Up? Well, it was interesting because a lot of similarities. You're coming into, again, an existing franchise, an existing world, characters that already exist, and a fan base that's very, you know, involved. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's different because people care about the story and in a dance movie, they're willing to deal with like, okay, there's going to be a good team and a bad team and the good team is going to win. And we kind of don't like, okay, just make it happen, you know, and it's all about the dance numbers and in pitch perfect, you kind of have to service all these different characters and there's not a lot of room for a good story still when you've got all of these performance numbers that have to happen and you've got all these characters that have their different things going on. So trying to balance, you you know, I, I, I a little bit feel like with a step up movie, you can be like, give me the barest bones of a story and right. we'll just hang fabulous dance numbers on it. That doesn't really work with Pitch Perfect. Right. Um, and so coming up with a story that felt like it was in line with the franchise, felt consistent with the characters, brought something new, but not so new that it was like jarring, um, felt satisfying, felt bigger than the other ones, but still believable, maybe, or maybe not believable, eh? you know, right. like it was, it was it, coming up with the story was the tough part for this one. Okay. So, okay. Um, you know. I understand. Oh, I forgot to mention, did you, in Step Up, was it your choice or the music supervisor's choice to put OK Go for the uh, credits at the beginning? You know, it was all of our choice because oh, okay. we couldn't find a song that we loved. And we tried so many different songs in that place. And I think the song that we had them dance to in the um, when we were shooting that, we knew we weren't going to use it, was Blurred Lines, Robin Thicke. We knew we weren't going to use it because A, it was too expensive. And B, right. it's just like such a rapey, gross song. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it's such a fun song to dance to in such a great tempo that we were like, just put it in and we'll find a song later. Um, and so it was hard to beat that song. We all hated that song for a lot of like personal reasons, but it was kind of hard to beat the energy and sort of vibe of that song. And we tried a lot of different, we tested a lot of different songs and finally, you know, my brother's band had just come out with that album. I'm like, guys, there's this like real disco-y song on Okiko's new album. And it might be the only thing that kind of has that like disco sleaze vibe without the actual sleaze. Um, and it worked. So we just, we kept it. Yeah. yeah. I, and I had, and the funny thing is I hadn't really paid attention up until this previous, this last time that I rewatched it. I'm like, right. I see what she did there. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I also I, want to give a shout out to my brother yeah. and his boys. Like, why not? You know? I, I was like, that's awesome. Um, but I, I forgot to write that one down, but I wanted to yeah. be sure to bring it up, though. Yeah. Good, uh, one. Right. good one. Yeah, good sleuthing there. <laughs> um, all right, getting back to Pitch Perfect 3. Um, what do you 
I think you kind of went into a little bit about the diff- the biggest difficulty about filming that movie, I guess, was probably the story. Or, yeah, uh, just reining in the story, giving every... Because at that point, with an ensemble cast... You know, the thing about, like, pitch, uh, step-up movies is the cast is kind of shifting. Andy comes and goes, Sean comes and goes, Moose comes and goes. But when you're dealing with Pitch Perfect, those girls are all in every movie, and they each have sort of their fan base who wants to see what they're doing and how they're solving their problems, where their character's going... So kind of servicing all those characters is really tough. Um, and that was, that was the biggest challenge. You want each of them to have a part that feels satisfying, a story that feels satisfying, an art, a trajectory that feels like, you know, they're, they're going somewhere. But there's a lot of people. And how do you give everybody the time they need and the details that they need, you know? Right. So what was the energy like working with the cast? They're fabulous. Like they're like sisters and they know their characters so well. And they know at this point, the process of like learning the songs, learning their parts, because they all sing. Those are actually their real voices. And um, they are just like consummate pros. They're also really collaborative because what we did was we kind of structured the script and we wrote the script. uh, But we knew that they're going to come up with their own lines, their own ad libs, their own takes on each scene that are going to really bring it its um texture Mm -hmm. and so i let them replace lines ad lib riff with each other and i think that brought a lot of sort of like better more natural performances and and lines and dialogue and so they were great i mean it would they were they were a lifesaver i mean they really make the movie awesome what was it like to work with the legend john lithgow he is so fabulous. He's so such a nice person and such a good actor. And he works so hard and he's game for anything. And he's just, he's a love. I, I can't say enough good things about him. Yeah. Uh, when I, when, <laughs> when they introduced him, I'm like, oh my God, they got with go. This is amazing. Cause he's, 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 he's one of those people I've, I've always enjoyed ever since I was a kid watching Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> too and sometimes you meet people who are like your childhood heroes or your grown-up heroes and yeah. you're like ah oh, they're such a dick in real life yeah he is he is not that he is so absolutely wonderful that's amazing yeah, yeah and it wasn't until like gosh a few years back that i realized he actually had a like uh, a couple of music albums oh yeah <laughs> and i was like oh, yeah. I was like, oh my god i didn't know he's singing <laughs> that's awesome oh yeah so, i was like that's even better so I kind of brought this up earlier, but for people listening, uh, probably, guys, it was after I watched Pitch Perfect 3 and finally realized that Trish had directed both Pitch Perfect 3 and Step Up All In. I said, oh my gosh, she, we need to find a way for Trish to direct a, tri- a team-up movie of Step Up Pitch Perfect. Like, I... I already even figured it out and I tweeted it at her and I think I got a like or, you know, it sounds good or something yeah, like that. I was super stoked to hear you say that. Yeah. Cause I think, cause I already got it figured out. So the, they're holding auditions for dancers because they need uh, dancers for a routine that either for like the video music awards or for the Grammys. Right. And then they need, uh, they need a group of singers to do a medley of songs for the Grammy nominees. And so they need this big spectacle. So they have to, so the, the pitches get back together and then the step up crew comes and then they have to try and work together for this routine. But of course, problems arise. That is a fabulous idea. Yeah. yeah. Like I've already got, you it has know, pertinent executives. I know, right? Fat Amy it falls in love with the Santiago twins because, you know, it has to, I mean, that's just how it has to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. But Moose and Audrey would probably clash um, just because <laughs> a little more type A and he's so oh, chill. Yeah, she would never put up with that. Yeah, no. And a little more, pro- I don't want to say prankster, but he's just so, he's just more chill. He's just, yeah. yeah. And uh, I could see probably Andy and Chloe maybe being friends. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. And then, see. Um, and then you just have to figure out which actor, like which male actor you would want. If you would want Sean to come back, 
or if you'd want uh, one of the others. So that's, or if you just bring in somebody new even, but still you keep kind of the core group. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a great idea. Silly things that I think of, but that's, but I, I was like, that would be amazing. I love it. Call me when you sell that script. I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> I got to write. Well, thankfully, and see, that's where the story would come in. You take the story structure of the Pitch Perfect movies, <laughs> matched with the just draping with Dan. With the razzle dazzle of Step Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got it. So, um, so okay. So real quick, I kind of want to go through the questions I asked uh, okay. my guests. And, uh, so going back to say you like your childhood, do you know the, what are your earliest memories can you think of, of going to the movies with your family? So I'm going to do speed round of your questions because I got to go down to dinner. So early, I wrote these down. Earliest movie that I remember, Muppet movie, the original oh. 1979 one. Yep. Um, the movies that like really, like the first, that, the first one I went to without my parents, I think, was um, The Turning Point, which was the ballet movie okay. with Shirley MacLaine and Baryshnikov. And they okay. were like a ballet company. And it was like a big, because I was a ballet dancer at the time. And I went with my ballet friend. And we were like, we were so in love with Baryshnikov. We had Baryshnikov posters on our walls after that. And it was like a big deal. Um, the movie that has had like a lasting impact, or well, the movie that kind of informed me that was a tough one to answer because there are so many, but I'm going to say maybe um, there's a movie. I don't know if anybody remembers this, the competition with Richard Dreyfuss. Okay. Yeah, I was really young when I saw this. Um, and it's about these pianists. It's like a piano teacher and this pianist and they go to this competition and, um, but there was something about, it was not about the movie making, because at that time I wasn't interested in making movies. I was purely in it for the story, and like I was completely immersed. And it was just the level of um, virtuosity that these pianists had, and the idea that you could be so good at something. The Turning Point had a little of that for me, too, and also Chariots of Fire. That was one of the ones that I was considering saying. Like some of these early movies for me that were just like so much about people that just like, were so passionate about something and just followed that dream to the end of the earth for better or for worse. Um, those movies really left a lasting impact. I have to say that there's like Spinal Tap and um, Strictly Ballroom, which were like really, I think, sculpted my views on comedy and absurdity because I love comedy and absurdity. Um, and so from sort of a filmmaking standpoint, I think those two movies were sort of movies that I was like, oh, shit, you can do that with a movie. Um, but those movies that were more about like passion of people's passion, uh, I think were like more fundamental to me from a story perspective. And then as a grown up. Um, oh, and what I took my sons to. I actually took my firstborn baby to see The Matrix when he was 36 hours old. Oh, okay. Which was probably like not a great idea. That beats be me. I took my son to go see Thor, uh, the first Thor movie. I think he was three months. Great. So. Yeah. No, he was. I was still wearing like uh, bleeding diapers from my vag being blown out, and I was still sitting on a hemorrhoid pillow. And I brought my baby, who was thirty-six hours, because I was not going to miss the Matrix. Yeah, so that yeah. happened. But the first movie that I remember taking him to, like, as an actual sentient human being that he might actually pay attention was Ratatouille, which I think still holds up as, like, a really kind of fabulous um, movie. Uh, movies that, like, don't hold up for the kids. I tried to get them to watch Weird Science. Okay. Um, and I also tried to get them to watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which I thought were, like, both fabulous movies. They're not. Uh, and my kids were just like, this is not only perverted, <laughs> but like slow moving and boring and perverted. Yeah. Um, but I do think uh, what I do like to watch with my kids, I love all the daddy's home movies, which I am not embarrassed to say. We go to all of them and I, we laugh out loud. I piss my pants in the daddy's home movies. We also love all the toy story movies. Um, I think that uncle buck holds up really well. I agree. So we watch that. Um, and some movies, I mean, my kids are old enough now that there's nothing that I can't really show them. Um, but I do kind of want them to see, 
I kind of want them to be old enough to appreciate things like Fight Club or um, The Sixth Sense or Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Not that there's anything in there that they like can't see or like is so disturbing, but mostly that I just think they're too young to appreciate the sort of artistry of those movies exactly. or the, the, the nuance of those movies. So I kind of can't wait for them to appreciate that. Although, like I said at the very beginning of this talk, coming from the YouTube game generation, I'm not sure they'll ever appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I take college because, you know, get appreciation and get away from the videos. Yeah, exactly. Like, they might just have to sort of grow up a bit before they even care about that sort of thing. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, Did I answer everything? Pretty close. I think that's pretty good. I think that was pretty good. Um I think you got him nailed out, um, knocked out. So I want to definitely thank you for doing this again. I've had a blast. This it was really fun. Awesome. Anytime, let's do it again. When my movie comes out, I'll hit you up and we'll do it again. Yes, that would be amazing. And for everybody listening, uh, is there, do you have anything you want to plug other than your movie? Um, yeah. I have oh, another, I have, the next thing I have after that is a horror movie, but it's a horror comedy coming out. Of, well, we're going to shoot hopefully this, this spring. For New Line, call, it's called Rebecca and Quinn Get Scared. It's okay. um, really fun. It's another, like, sort of girl-forward movie, but these are older girls. They're 30-ish. Uh, but it's really, really fun. My friends, one of my best friends wrote the script. It's fabulous with her college friend. They wrote it together. It's their first script together. It's a great movie, and um, I'm really excited about that one. So I'll let you know when we're in production for that. Um, but, yeah, in the meantime, we'll just stay in touch. Okay, awesome. That sounds like an amazing idea. And um, I'll be sure to put your social media stuff up on our page and so everybody can follow you. And so they can go back and look at your amazing Halloween costume because that oh, would be awesome. I was, I, was, I was very impressed with that. I had to, I got to get a laugh out of that one. <laughs> Good. That, that was awesome. Yeah, Nuns and Roses is fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was awesome. Well, let me know how Grayson's dancing is going yes. and how oh. everything in your world is going. And it's really been a pleasure. Awesome. I'm glad I've made a new friend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Talk soon. Yeah. Um, so for us here at Parental Advisory Podcast, I'm going to say this has been awesome. And I guess we will talk to you the next time we record.